0: The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.
1: And the fact that he was sacrificed outside the camp, that's why we go forth. And it, it's just like what happened to the Israelites. In fact, this whole uh, passage here is referring back to that. In Exodus 33, five. Exodus 33, five. you want to turn to it, please be my guest. Exodus 33, five. Exodus 33, five, which says there, it's speaking about this whole situation there, this whole is really referring to this Exodus 33, 5, from Hebrews 13, is referring to Exodus 33, 5, where it says, the Lord had said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. What a surprise. No, I shouldn't say. (laughs) You are stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Imagine. God was saying, I am going to destroy my people in a moment. The people that he had invested so much into and really had put himself out on the line, so much. And he says, I'm gonna gonna wipe you out in a minute. Therefore now, put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. I think this is just an amazing statement. God says, I don't know what to do with you. You ever say that to your kids? I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. No, hopefully not. But that's what God was saying to his kids. I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. So just wait until I figure it all out. And and the children of Israel, they they heard that. They stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the tent, afar off from the tent, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. By the way, it's the word kehilat. And so he says the tabernacle, which means church. So he called it the tabernacle of the church. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation or of the church which was without the camp. What a statement. Israel has sinned against God and Moses has the tabernacle. All right, break it down. Just break it down. It's going to move. Right? It's right there in the middle of Israel in the camp. And just imagine if you were there and you saw the tabernacle that was so comforting for you to see every day because it represented the protection of the cloud from the the sun during the day. It represented the warmth of the fire by night. And you got so used to seeing the tabernacle right in the middle and it was so comforting. Oh, look at the tabernacles here. God's with us. That's wonderful. And all of a sudden, one day, you see Moses having the tabernacle broken down to be taken down. And you run over and you say, What are you doing? What are you doing with the tabernacle? And you're told it's moving, and you say, where, where? Is it gonna go to another place on the other side of the camp of Israel than within the camp, because they didn't have the advantages of having it so close? Is that what's happening? And say, no, the tabernacle is being taken outside of the camp, far away, as a matter of fact, from the camp, it's gonna be out there. And so you sit there, you watch the tabernacle, and it's being taken down, and they're carrying it off way outside the camp, and then you're faced with a personal decision and you gotta sit there and say, what do I do? Do I now go to the tabernacle where God is? It's way outside the the camp. Do I now turn my back on my Jewish people, on my people of Israel, and choose God to go out there? Or do you say, no. I wanna stay with my family, I wanna stay with my friends, I wanna stay with the people I know. I won't go outside the camp, I'm staying right here. I'm Jewish, these are my people, I'm staying with them. I'm not gonna turn my back on my people and go way out there. And that's what most did. But the Bible says that there were some, there were some who did turn their back on their people and did go outside the tabernacle and that's given to us in Exodus 33, 7, verse seven, Exodus 33, seven. Everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which is without the camp. Those are the ones who did turn their back on their own people and so, et cetera. And they left the camp and they were the ones who were seeking God, I want God. God's more important than anyone, anything, I'm going. They were the ones who said, God's more important than my own people. And so those people went forth outside the camp. And the reason they went is because they were going forth unto God. And that's the important part to see. And switch back to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 13. Hebrews 13 13. That's the important part to see where it says, Let us go forth unto him unto him. It's so important to see that when a person goes forth, it must be unto him. It's got to be going forth to him. It's got to be going forth to the Lord Jesus. And we've all heard people talk about separation from the world. And what they're talking about is to be separated from this, from, 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 from in what's in the world, and be separated from this what's in the world, and separated from that what's in the world, and it separation from this, separation from that. And separation of the world becomes like a life. People describe, well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and all this emphasis is, 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 from the, is from the word from. I have separated myself from this. I have separated myself from that. I don't do this practice, I don't do that practice, but there's another word, there's another word that must go along with the word from, and that word can be seen in 1 Thessalonians 1.9. 1 Thessalonians some 9, 1 Thessalonians 1-9 crystallizes it for us. 1 Thessalonians 1-9 says, For they themselves show of us what mannering, what manner of entering in we had unto you. How ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. See, there's the word from which is important, the word from, but it's used to, to state that the Thessalonians had separated themselves from idols, but the other word that's critical to see in 1 Thessalonians 1.9 is the word to. You turned to God from idols. You need both the words. You need the word from and to. Idols are repulsive, a person should turn from idols, but there's both the front of a person and the back of a person. And so when a person turns from idols, that describes what his back is on. But the real question is, what is he facing? What is in front of the person? And that's where 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.9 is telling us that if a person turns from idols, he must turn to God. And this shows us what real separation is not and what real separation is. Or if you want, what real sanctification is and what real sanctification is not. Real separation or real sanctification is not just, I don't do this and I don't do that. Real separation or sanctification is, is not just from, but real separation or sanctification is to. Real separation is from the world to God, or to God from the world either. And when the apostle Paul spoke about this in his own personal separation, he emphasized what he turned to when he says in Romans 1, Romans 1, 1 and Romans 1, 1, 1 first verse in Romans, Romans 1, 1. He said, Paul said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto, separated to the gospel of God, which he had promised to for by his, his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So Paul says he was separated to the gospel. Paul loved the gospel. And he was separated to the scriptures. Paul loved the scriptures. And he was separated to the Lord Jesus. Paul loved the Lord Jesus. And this is the great point about Abraham. Abraham, when it describes Abraham in Joshua 24.3, Joshua 24.3, God said, Joshua 24.3, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, flood, river, from the other side of the river, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. God said that He took Abraham from the other side of the river, the flood. In the Hebrew word Nahar it means river. It's like a Nile River. It overflows. But anyway, He took him from the other side of the river. He took Abraham over the river Euphrates. He took him over the Euphrates, and that's how God wants to see. The, God wants the Jewish people to see that their founder, that Abraham, is the person that God brought over. Brought over. As a matter of fact, Abraham is the first person in Genesis fourteen thirteen. Genesis fourteen thirteen, who is called a Hebrew. A Hebrew. You always wondered what the word Hebrew means. It means hot dogs and salami, right? Hebrew National. <laughs> No, Genesis 14, 13, Genesis 14, 13, there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew. So it's interesting because, as you know, uh, Hebrew is made up of basically, the words are made up of basically three letters, consonants. Anyway, three letters, and so Hebrew, evrit. And those same three letters are used for the word to cross over to cross over, which is how Abraham is described in this verse in Joshua 24.3. He is described as the person who crossed over the river Euphrates, and this is the real significant part about Abraham's life. Behind him, as he crossed over, was Abraham's people, Abraham's country, Abraham's family, Abraham's friends, everything, his life that he knew it, and when he came over the river, he left it all. He turned his back on it all, which is why he is described and put forward in Hebrews 11:8, Hebrews 11:8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go onto a place which he should, after receive for inheritance, obeyed. He went out, not knowing whither he went. Abraham left everything that was familiar to him when he became a Hebrew, a crosser over, a person who crossed over, in that case, the river Euphrates. But God did it because God was calling Abraham to come to me, Abraham, come to me." And the way of separation is always to come to the Lord, come to the Lord. No one would just leave the camp of Israel in Moses' day, but it had to be he wanted to seek the Lord, and he was turning his back on his people so that he could go to find God. No one just leaves the mainstream. It has to be to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the pull. He's the pull. Now, some people like to criticize the cults and the the Christ-less, Religions, the religions without Christ. It makes no sense to criticize a person's religion. It's best to praise and talk about the Lord Jesus because he's the pull. So to leave a religion without Christ or the world's mainstream is what would be called it just to do that. It's giving up. It's giving up. It's giving up what can't remove sins. It can't redeem. It can't make peace with God. It can't cleanse. It can't make white. It can't justify. It can't cover sins. And that's what Paul was saying when he explained what he did in life, which was Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus the Lord. He's the pull. My Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and I had to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, that I may win Christ. That's what it means to suffer the loss of all things. And he referred to this personal loss and he had a personal loss of reputation Paul did in 1 Corinthians 4.13, 1 Corinthians 4.13, where Paul said, I'm defamed, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. We are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. Why would a person want to become an outcast, an outcast? Why? Because of Psalm seven two. Psalm 147.2. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. And, and, and it's in Isaiah 56.8, Isaiah 56.8. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, yet will I gather others to him besides those that are, gathered unto, that, that are gathered unto him. When the Lord Jesus suffered without the city walls, he was an outcast. He was an outcast of Israel. And now when a Jewish person, or especially when a Jewish person receives the Lord Jesus Christ and he becomes an outcast, he says, I'm gathering you. I was there, I know, I was there, I was there. And so that's what we see the Lord Jesus doing after he healed the man who was blind in John chapter nine. And then the Jewish leaders, they threw him out of the synagogue, which is, by the way, his parents refused to give straight answers because they didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue. But it says, and, and then when they did it, John 9, 34, John 9, 34, the, the leader said, they answered him and said unto him, thou wast altogether born in thy sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. That was it. He was excommunicated. They cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, oh, when he had found him, I wonder how he found him, because he went looking for him. And when he found him, he said unto him, dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, well, I suppose seen him, it's he that talks with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So you see, that, that's, that's the Lord gathering an outcast. It's a pretty terrible word to be called an outcast. But that's what believers are called by the world. That's what believers are called by religious Jews. They call me a person who has left the tent. And they always say to me, are you coming back to the tent? Are you coming back to the tent now? That's what they mean. You left the tent, you're an outcast, you went outside. But others may call a believer an outcast or outside the tent, but what's important is what God calls the person, which is in Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians 2.19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Oh, I'll take that title. That's a good one, what a wonderful title fellow citizens with the saints, and the household of God, a member of God's household, that's what makes it worth to turn back from the world and and the religions that have all their ABC promotions, ABC, anything but Christ. Mm. And just imagine if you were one of the Israelites in the deserts and you were living living there among all those tents in Israel in the camp and you're doing just like everyone else does, just think about it you're going all, You're doing all the ceremonies, all the sacrifices, and all of a sudden, this didn't happen, but just imagine, all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus appears and he tells everyone that he was sent by God to stop all these ceremonies because he has become the once and for all sacrifice that will stop all the sacrifices, and he tells everyone that what they're doing is just shadows, it's just shadows, of him as the long-awaited, once-for-all sacrifice, and the leaders cast him out of the camp, they crucify him, and he's, on, and he's on the cross, and he's bleeding, and now we hear him say, in essence, Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Don't stay in the camp any longer, go to him, take the same reproach he did, he took. And we said, but, but that would ostracize, that would ostracize me from the group, exactly. I will be set apart from everyone else, precisely. I'll be set apart as in sanctified. You got it. How could I do that? By the power that's in his blood. In verse 12, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, suffered without the gate. In order for you to do that, you have to turn your back. You have to turn your back on the religion and everyone else. You have to abandon your hopes that that and the religion, the association with the Jews could bring. And it's painful, it's painful, it's painful. And he knows that. And many in this, are in this position where they've had to turn from a religion and, and, and learn that they learned as a child. They grew up in it. It's the heritage of their fathers. How can anyone be separated from his people with his own blood that he might sanctify the people? That he might sanctify the people with his own blood. How can we ask anybody like that rabbi? How can I ask that rabbi to expect him to do that? That he might sanctify the people with his own blood. It's the power of the blood. The power of the blood to do what verse 13 says. Let's go forth unto him. It means the Lord Jesus is the prize. He's the prize. He's the goal. Unto you therefore, and in First Peter 2:7. First Peter 2:7. Unto you therefore, which believe, he's precious. But unto the stone, which be a stone. But unto them which which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, rejected. That's made the head of the corner. Such a contrast. How can some people view him as precious and some people view him as rejected, not disqualified, disallowed? We're told in verse thirteen what it means to go forth unto him without the camp. It means to bear his reproach, to bear his reproach. Just think of his reproach, bearing that cross, walking up that the street through Jerusalem to this to this mount, this little hill there at Calvary. It's the greatest shame that a man could be put to. That's the total disgrace, it's the total destruction of a person's reputation and dignity. It was so severe that people would have rather go, just die, just die at the soldier's uh, sword rather than to go through this bearing the cross, to be jeered, to be spit on, to be so shamefully killed. And the first thing we want to do is separate ourselves from that and say, how terrible, I'm so sorry that that happened to him and push it, that was him, I'm so sorry for him. But have you ever looked at the cross with personal ownership, personal ownership, where you said, that was my cross. That was my cross that he carried in that, in that road of sorrows up to Calvary. That, that was my hill that he was crucified on. That, those were my nails that, he, that went through him. That was my crown of thorns. That was mine. His reproach is our reproach that he took for us. The reproach that he bare, his reproach, and the Lord Jesus is so linked to us. He's so linked to us that it says in Isaiah 63, 9, Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bare them and carried them all their days along. That was spoken of Israel. Not just some of their afflictions, in all their afflictions he was afflicted. When Paul was persecuting the church, when Paul was persecuting the church, God intervened in, in Acts 9 4, Acts 9 4, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Not why persecutest thou the Christians? Why persecutest thou the church? But why are you persecuting me? You know that one time I, uh, there was a very mean person who was speaking to Ellie Maxwell. Ellie Maxwell was the president and founder of Prairie Bible Institute. In the day, there was the day when most of the missionaries either came from Prairie Bible Institute or Moody Bible Institute and Wheaton too. But anyway, Ellie Maxwell was the president of Prairie Bible Institute up at Three Hills, Alberta, Canada. And this person was very mean to him, and he was really just very. He was saying very offensive, very terrible things to Ellie Maxwell. And Ellie Maxwell said, I want you to know that standing in between me and you right now is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything you've said to me, you've said to him. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. Now, for an encouragement, in verse 14, Hebrews 13, 14, it said, here we have no continuing city. We seek one to come. In the world, we have extreme uncertainty, extreme uncertainty. The world never did never will give anybody rest and satisfaction for their soul. And the city that we're looking for is one that has real foundations who, because the foundations were laid by God, he's the builder and the maker, and that's eternal in the heavens. Just think of how wonderful a description that is. Not a place built on sin, not a place like you go walking through and you go, oh, Las Vegas, oh no. Oh, that channel on the TV, oh no. But a place that has real foundations, you'll never do that in heaven. You'll never do that because man didn't build it. God built it. It's the, and it's not a temporary place. It's an eternal place. It's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful city. But the truth is, there can be no city like that unless there is a going unto him outside the city walls. So, today what we've seen, one more great accomplishment, one more great Asa of his blood, of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It gives us strength, it gives us courage, it gives us strength to be sanctified from the world, set apart from the world. Turn our back on what does not honor God to turn to God, from Hebrews 13, 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Such a wonderful son. We didn't know. We didn't know how wonderful a son you had until he came and revealed you to us. And so, Lord, now we pray that you would help us also to turn our back on that which dishonors God to come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom at FriendshipWithGod.org. Tom Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID 19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loretto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.